the sun came out. So I think there's a connection. I, it must be. It's, it's got to be. It, it's related. Definite connection. Rick yeah. and I are here and the sun comes out. And I'd like to welcome everybody to sit back, have a cup of coffee, and enjoy this Prairie Dock radio program for the next half hour. Rick Holm is our Prairie Dock, and he's ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's a physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. He's also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. And he is also conducting medical research in affiliation with South Dakota State University. Good morning, Dr. Holmes. Good morning, Joan Hogan. Good to see you here, and I'm glad we brought the sun out. Yes, I you mean... did a good job. Good morning. Good morning. You Makes me want to sing... Uh, what? Uh, that good day, what? sunrise. No. Uh, no? <laughs> or... Uh, let the sun shine in. <laughs> but now I it's all gone. I get you know uh, from uh, Annie. Oh, yeah. da, da, da. Uh, oh yeah, it won't just, come to right us. There. It won't come the to sun me. will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow, that, there it is. That's it. Okay. Off tomorrow, what, today. You know but what I mean. Today we've got the sun. Speaking of singing, I have to say what a joy it is to be involved with the Hopeful Spirit Chorale. We sing. On Tuesday nights, we gather at, uh, we're an interdenominational group, uh, if I said that correctly, uh, and in, from all of the, the different churches, and uh, we gather at the Methodist Church on Tuesday nights at 7, most, most every Tuesday night, depending upon things, and by 7.30, we take off and we go sing for someone. Isn't that great? And last night you must have done we the same. We sang for Edgewood Vista uh, uh, Assisted Living. And it was, we had, I think, 26 people. I mean, we one night we had 32. But, boy, 26 people, and we just filled that space. I mean, it just... Your voices sang out. Whoa, and they sounded so good. You know, and we have, what, 60, 50 songs that we've been singing diff- different times. And so we're getting to the point where everybody knows all they of the They all music. know them all. Okay. And it's a cappella. It's without uh, accompaniment or piano or organ or anything. It's just, we just singing sing. out. Singing it sing out. Four-part harmony. And it's just, it can be so beautiful. When we sing at the hospital, we did that two weeks ago. On our way out, we stop in the, in the um, stairwell and sing in the stairwell. And I think it's, a, it's tuned for a G. There is a stairway. There's a resonance at a certain note in a stairwell in a stairwell okay. and you know it's just it's just the most beautiful thing in the world what Bob? try the acoustics in the bathroom up here they're great <laughs> oh I, I was singing in there last week and i didn't know and cammy and some others were standing and when i came out they they're buying it way to go bob <laughs> actually i think they were making fun of me but yeah but who cares it's right, right. You were happy singing. Did everybody smile? Yes. Is that what makes it better? Yes. Everybody gets better with a smile. Keep smiling. Absolutely. Well, Rick, I know uh, tomorrow night you do your um, on-call with the Prairie Dock. You got me last week. And I've had more yeah. comments. Have I you was, heard? Did, uh, did people uh, actually many, watch that show? They do watch it. I couldn't believe the number of people who said, "Hey, wait a minute! I saw you on TV." Yes, yeah. you did. So it was an interesting show, and the the surgeon, um, who you know, he's kind of on that uh walk talks fast he's very serious at and first he started serious. i thought you're not going to get a smile out of this guy i mean he was just very, very droll but he came he came around he came alive right he really well, did. as you talked his subject that's the thing if someone knows something very well 
they just love talking about it. Wow. And it came across with him. Yes. And yeah. I, I, I think he's an ethical, good person uh, who, who uh, is a talented uh, surgeon and is a nice thing to have that. Well, it takes a lot of talent that you have to draw out these physicians who <laughs> are not accustomed to being on camera or in the public eye. They just want to do their work. And surgeons especially, oh, they yeah. are not noted for no, personalities. No, you know no. that. But They go I, into surgery because they can just slice and dice and they don't have to talk to the you person. You think about the brains in some of these people. <laughs> They're brilliant. They're just really yeah. great. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to have had the doing the, have been doing this for 16 years to be able to we're in our, I mean, our 15th season. We're in our fifth, going into our 16th season. Isn't uh, that, that amazing? That we are, uh, that, that I, I've been able to uh, rub shoulders with all these people, these uh, uh, smart, smart doctors, and uh, so it's been fun. This coming Thursday. Well, that's why I brought it up, because we have an interesting program coming up tomorrow night. We're going to talk about brain trauma. Which will cover so many areas. Well, now I mean, we're hearing a lot about concussions, but... There's Parkinson's and dementia and just so many things. And how much of that, you know, you uh, you, you take the the uh, boxer dilemma or the football player dilemma. I mean, did, there was a movie out maybe a year ago about the football player who played. Oh, it was uh, Will Smith played uh, a man with an accent that was uh, encouraging people to uh, look at the danger and and brought it out. And as a physician showed the danger uh, of head trauma. And, of course, the Football Association didn't want to have to face it. Now, this was based on a true story. Will Smith played a physician who really is alive and and fought everyone, insisting that we have to be concerned about trauma. And now if you watch the NFL, you can see over and over again players are pulled to the sideline and they say, we have this. You're out. uh, Or you are not allowed to hit somebody in the head hard. Oh, yeah. They've really made a lot. Well, we're going to discuss that. But first, we're going to take a break. We did have a question that came in. Maybe we'll get to that before we get to head trauma. But uh, any questions you might have, give us a call at 692-1430. We'll be back right after these words. Hey, welcome back to Prairie Doc. We're happy to have you listening today. Hey, 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 Dr. Holm is here in the studio ready to answer any questions you might have. And we did have a woman who called in just before we came on the air. And we'll address her question to begin with, if that's all right with you, Dr. Holm. A 66-year-old woman would like you to discuss a one-time occurrence that happened to her. It was a complete loss of bladder control. One time would be enough for me. Um, It was Mm -hmm. nine in the morning. She was walking and laughed about something and lost control of her bladder. It only happened once. Should she go in for a test? Oh, that'd be scary. No one would want that to happen. Tell us what she should do. Well, there's a lot of things that could bring it on. Maybe there's a low-grade infection. It could be that there are viral process even that could uh, be affecting uh, affecting you in an unusual way. Likely this is a problem that's just beginning to raise its head. Uh, it's a problem that uh, uh, happens as people get older. It can happen in people who have babies or don't have babies, have C-sections or don't have C-sections. Uh, but it's mostly in those whose baby's head sits in that pelvis and pushes against those nerves uh, and or the tissue gets stretched from baby uh, making. And uh, so the, the bladder problem in an older woman commonly uh, is blamed uh, uh, 
on the 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 having of a baby. But it, it doesn't all it it, it doesn't okay. always occur. And you know, I think there's there's a lot of thought about um that's why we did episiotomies. We just wanted them to pop out easily and to control the tear that would occur that could cause in, incontinence. Didn't change incontinence by s- stopping or or by starting the episiotomies. Episiotomies are now out. Excuse me. And then um, uh, the other side of it is is that um, uh, the uh, just the bladder tone of everything gets weaker as we get older unless we exercise. And so what I would say to this person who, d- who only had one time and doesn't have it again, right, that you start the um, Kegels exercises. And it is something that you can do all day long. And you don't have to, I mean, it's one of those deals that it, um, if you take a person who's totally incontinent, teach them the Kegels exercises, 60% will greatly reduce or eliminate the problem. Why don't you, some people hear it on the radio and then want to look it up on the web. Spell Kegel for us. K-E-G-A-L. K-E-G-A-L. I exercise. think that's how you spell it. Okay, All right, so let me just describe it. I know, but you will, but sometimes they don't quite get it. So if you can look right. it up on the web, too, that's helpful. Go you go ahead and, and describe it. And in fact, there are people who's, who, who put on uh, a feedback nerve connection so they can feel when they're tightening that muscle, so they know that they're tightening their muscle. Some people don't know how to tie it, tighten it. They don't, it, they're so weak down there, they've always just depended on a natural tone and the tone is not enough anymore. So here's the, here's the tightening. It's the same tightening that you would use if you're closing off your bladder. So while you're sitting here and hearing this, think about it, uh, your, your, your bladder's empty and then now you're gonna tighten it up and stop it from blow, flowing. Uh, it's the same muscle that tightens up your rectal sphincter, actually, they all kind of go together. And what they say you should tighten this whole this pudendal hammock, this hammock down at the pelvis, uh, that, that and men can do the same thing because they have problems with their bladder and their rectal continence as well. All of this works together if you would exercise these muscles. And what they do is they say you tighten it gradually. It's not one of these jerk tight loose, uh, tight loose, tight loose. Forget that. That's not the way to do it. What, the way to do it is you, you do it in a count of four. One thousand, one, two, three, four, and you're tight. Tight, and, and then, then hold for four seconds, and then just let it down slowly. And if you do that, get this now, 200 times a day, then you're, you're going to get uh, the That's full benefit. That's a lot of times, but if really, you, you're just sitting around doing nothing. Well, you can sit watching television. Count of you four, hold it Read the four. newspaper, it doesn't matter. You just sit there doing that exercise, it'll help. It's the count the, of, it's, it's 12 <laughs> seconds. Repeat that 12-second little exercise. You know, as many times as you think, but can, maybe you do it when you're brushing your teeth. And then maybe you do it when you're washing the dishes. And then maybe you do it when you're uh, out for the walk. But you will tighten up. Now, to answer a final question, this is great advice, and I think it would really help her quite a bit. Should she see a doctor, though, since she had this occur once, or should she just try to see if it was one time? What would you suggest she do now? Well, I'd look at when her next regular visit to her physician or nurse practitioner, PA, is. If don't worry uh, about going immediately. Then I, don't, okay. I, I think that she thought of something. She laughed a little harder than she thought she did, and there it was. I mean, and or she was just unguarded at that moment, and she's she's been, you know, I I don't one time is not probably enough to 
go in, and what will happen is they'll do a urinalysis. A percentage of women's urinalysis, even if they perfectly prep the area, will have some vaginal stuff in there, and chances are the urinalysis might be abnormal. And then what they might do is, oh, they'll culture it. Well, the culture will be contaminant or the culture will be slightly abnormal. They'll do a sensitivity, and it'll suggest that you need an antibiotic. This person doesn't need an antibiotic. So going in into the doctor right, uh, now. right now is probably doesn't, is not an indication to try to get an antibiotic. It's probably not going to help. Second thing, you know, a probiotic might be something to consider because maybe there, something's happening with the vagina. That would be the only thing that I would suggest. I don't, I'm trying to avoid antibiotics in, in the uh, excessive use of antibiotics. They can cause more problems than solve. The third thing to say is that they go in, the doctor hears the story and goes, well, do you want me to send you to a specialist? You so they know. go to the specialist, you get a vaginal exam, you, you know, they'll go through all of that, they'll get another urinalysis. Sometimes you just don't need to go in and see the doctor. Okay. So I think at that problem, if the she smart doctor would advise you to do Kegel's exercises. Well, you've already got the device. You got that advice. You're there. The smart so. doctor told you, and the second thing he mentioned is a probiotic. If you go to your local pharmacy, just ask the pharmacist what probiotic they suggest, and they will direct you I, if, if you don't know what they are. It's a pill you take once a day. High V acidophilus. There's one choice. Okay. There's well, there's a number one. of probiotics. There's a, but if a you're number of them. Not sure what it is. Just ask the pharmacist. They'll explain it to Won't you. Won't hurt. Kegel exercise, though, and if you didn't understand his description, it was pretty descriptive. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was good. You can always look it up. It tightened my uh, Kegel. I just kept exercising <laughs> as you talked. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. During the break, Bob said, one thing she didn't tell us was what was the joke that got her laughing? It must have been a really good one. Well, we don't know, but, but we hope she really enjoyed it. And sorry it happened to her. Yeah. Where is the joke of the day? The joke of the have day. You got a joke she of the had day? it. She. Oh, Bob, do you have one? Yeah, uh, share it with you right now. Oh, all right, Bob. <laughs> okay. Afterwards, we'll hear the joke of the day. Well, before we got to that question, we did discuss tomorrow night's brain trauma, and you're going to be discussing brain trauma. How about concussion? What are the signs of a concussion? Now everyone is aware of it. I mean, if you're not, you're living under a rock. So you're aware of it. You might have kids or grandkids who are out for sports. What are you looking for? Okay. Um, the first lesson is if you have a concussion, which I'll describe it in just a second, don't have another one for two weeks. Because if you have another one, the sense is that that second one is going to attack you at a vulnerable time, and then you can have permanent damage. Okay. So two weeks without any more concussion type of activity that could bring on a concussion. Right, now that's the take-home message. That's Do not really have another important. one. Two weeks. Two weeks without it. You don't care what the coach says. You're the parent. You're the grandparent. Two weeks. That's um, it. We're done playing if you had a concussion. Okay. Now, what is a concussion? Well, a concussion can be uh, your bell rung and your soft stars. A uh, concussion can be a little bit of confusion. A concussion can be passed out one time. A uh, concussion can be a, uh, an emotional change. It can be, but it's a change in your mental function for a brief period of time after head trauma. And that's what it is. And it can be slight. Uh, you know, it's just that I'm seeing stars and boo, woo, woo. I got woozy for that after that hit. But now I'm okay. So I'll but now back. I'm okay. I'm not going to tell the coach. I'm not going to go uh, quit. Uh, I'm fine. And the answer is got to be really careful. 
uh, those kinds of things. I have a very sad story about a relative of ours that was being, he was a sophomore in college. He was being scouted by the St. Louis Cardinals. He was a phenomenal baseball player, just a great baseball. kid. Baseball. St. Louis Cardinals, just, they were looking at him. Many pros were looking at him. He was playing in a summer league that was phenomenal. His last uh, game in the uh, college league that he was in, he had his bell rung, but he didn't, you know, he just went right back in, didn't talk about it. The summer league was really important. The pros were going to look at him. Okay. He didn't tell anyone what he was going through. He was, re- he was really suffering from a concussion, but he wanted to play because he wanted to be a pro. So he went to the summer league, played ball, was just not himself. It took about six weeks before his parents, who would go to some of these summer league games, of course they were around the country, would visit him and realized he's not right. Something's not right. They finally pulled him. By the time they pulled him, he saw a concussion specialist who the football, the pro football team in St. Louis used. And he said, you just really hurt yourself. You can't do a thing. He couldn't even go back to college. He spent almost 18 months in the house. Every time he'd get up, he'd have a headache. The kid was not the same. He's about 26 now. He, um, he's recovered. a great guy. Has he recovered 100%? It took him almost two years to recover. The coach wanted him back. He went back and he said, I'll help you coach. And he got a college degree, but he said he got out there. He just couldn't play. And the thought of going through that again. But here's a young man who had everything going. If he had just stopped, it would have made all the difference. If the coach knew. No, he kept it to himself because yeah. he wanted to be a pro. Well, and there it's it is. It's a sad story. Fortunately, he's a good kid. Things are going well for him now, but he'll never be a pro oh, ball player. man. Tough, tough story. Tough, tough story. Yeah. And as somebody you love and oh, know. Oh, he's know. darling kid. Well, I, yeah, you think about all of the risks that we have in our lives. We don't, how do you know when it's going to come your way? And so I think we have to, uh, you know, be prepared as well as we can. Yeah. And, uh, and then when we approach a problem, uh, you approach it with your best knowledge. Uh, and I think the new stuff on head trauma is, is big time. Some of that is, is relative to the kids who go to war and are being involved with uh, bombs that go off near their head, you know, and then you end up with a concussion uh, just by virtue of the blast. Uh, and so my, my whole comment about uh, football players uh, for men, the most common uh, uh, head trauma concussion uh, in, in women is with soccer. Because more women are playing soccer well, than that, playing they're, football. That's, so that's they're where playing, they're getting the And there's head trauma involved with it, in t- particular, butting the ball, which some people have said should be eliminated from that particular game. But anyway, that said, uh, those kinds of things need to be uh, very highly uh, uh, discussed. And we need to be aware. And I think the country is becoming aware. Uh, thanks to a good movie, that helps things. Uh, with uh, uh, that we talked about earlier, and and uh, the the general knowledge base is coming out of uh, the result of the football scandals that have happened, and the people who've had trauma from it, and also from the men coming home from war. So, those are important issues. So we're well we're well aware of it, but there are other things other than concussion that can affect your brain. And why don't we discuss those after our final break? Okay. Bye. 
Welcome back to Prairie Duck Radio. Bob had a comment. I just wanted to ask you, in this day and age of such improved diagnostics, if using MRIs and other diagnostic tools like that have improved the ability of physicians to be able to diagnose a a concussion, or is it kind of that realm of voodoo medicine? Well, I I think we over x-ray people. But and, and when it's a case of a prolonged uh, confusion uh, for any reason, of course, the first thing that you do is a CAT scan without contrast to make sure there's no, because bleeding, blo- uh, uh, you know, bruises in the brain and bleeding in the brain can occur. And sometimes there's surgical things that you can do if there is, for example, a subdural hematoma and drain the pressure off the brain. And so you have to, you have to consider that early on if there is significant changes occurring or progressing. And an MRI is more sensitive for everything but bleeding. So a bleeding, so if a person's having a change in personality, maybe they're, it's because of their sports, but maybe it's MS or maybe it's uh, you know, a tumor or something. So then you, then you consider over a prolonged period of time, not the, that one first day or first week, but it, it, uh, 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 sometimes you do an MRI. Uh, but clearly the CT, without contrast, is the first thing to consider if there's possibility of bleeding. But most of the time, both of those tests are normal. Have you seen they're doing research on helmets now? The NFL is experimenting with helmets that have built-in sensors that are able to tell if you've taken a hit that is determined that could be hazardous to your brain. Or, and so right. they right. haven't made any announcements yet, but yeah. that's something they're exploring. And I know that they're making headway not... I, that was a headway pun, a pun <laughs> not intended okay uh they're making headway with uh better helmets to protect uh people but and you better know, rules and regulations in yeah. football too none of this spearing you know they'll yeah. they'll call it they'll call it right i'll give you one other comment that probably has to be said uh and uh, i'm a killjoy here when i say it and i'm not i've i have not been the perfect follower of my advice on this one but I'm trying and I'm better than I was and that is that some of the most traumatic head trauma that occurs day in and day out most common is that sport that is very often utilized in our kids and adults and that is biking bicycle helmets uh, have greatly reduced the head trauma and bicyclists um, you know take it from a kid who grew up in DeSmet and we biked everywhere. I mean, we biked to Lake Preston to go swimming from DeSmet. We biked and biked and biked and biked. And you never, never wore, wore a, helmet, a helmet. right? But now, uh, particularly with my wife's, you know, come on. Get the helmet. Get the helmet on. Oh, my hair. I want to make my hair look bad. <laughs> or, uh, you know, well, I mean, or if it's cold enough, you want to have something to cover your ears and, you know, that type of thing. I took one fall on a bike without a helmet. Got my bell rung. I have worn a helmet ever since. That's it's about 10 years ago, and I will not go without a helmet. And that's it a was wise just stupid thing. that I had to take the fall before I gave in and wore the helmet. But they're kind of in the way. You don't want they're to bother little, with them. Man. Now I can't imagine. They don't imagine. look so good. You know, you look I like just a can't jerk get on a, on a bike without a helmet. That's it just it goes thing. against my grain. I found last this summer when I got a new helmet that I could make bigger that I can wear a, a baseball hat under it or I can wear a stocking oh, cap. Then you under like it. that. So. You know, it, to be honest with you, you know, we don't have a good excuse. Why wouldn't you wear a helmet and protect the most 
probably the most important thing you have on your body. I mean, cardiologists tell you it's the heart, and the pulmonologists will say the best organ, the most important organ is the lungs. But those of us who care for people and care for all the parts, if the brain's not working, then the rest don't matter that much. You really need the brain working, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, we were talking about bike and helmet, but I just to change to one subject, because you're going to be talking about brain trauma tomorrow night, have there been any possible causes that they know that brings on Parkinson's? Well, th- there is absolutely uh, a, you know, there's, there's a variety of reasons why people get Parkinson-like symptoms. Okay. It, 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 these are lesions in a certain part of the brain, the part that controls your muscles, the part that con- gives, gives you autonomic uh, and autonomic, automatic not auto autonomic but automatic movement you know if you're uh, brushing your teeth you're you're doing this automatic shaking back and forth that you just kind of turn on and you can you can do that tremor uh if you are uh walking you can be off in another world and not even thinking that you're walking or you're running or you're biking. Because it's automatic. It's automatic. You just move. There's a part of your brain that can go into automatic and it will allow your muscles to do repetitive things. And it just works in an automatic way. Uh, the same part of the brain, you know, the, if you look at the symptoms of Parkinson's, it works on all of those. And here are the four symptoms, the classic symptoms of Parkinson's disease. One is... Rigidity. They don't have that movement that happens automatically. Their muscles get kind of tight and rigid. The second is this automatic movement, um, this uh, ability to uh, have a person, a facial expression automatically come when you're happy. Or uh, the, when you, you mean the walk- lack of automatic? Or Yeah, with Parkinson's, you lose your. The automatic. Uh, your automatic okay. uh, movement. And then the third is the tremor. And the fourth, which is kind of added by most groups, has to do with um, with posture. And uh, so uh, all I can say is that uh, part of the brain that affects that part is, uh, are we almost out of time? We're almost out of time. And I know you're going to And there are many causes this. for it. There can be a chemical cause. There can be, but there definitely can be head trauma that can cause it. And if you'd like more discussion on Go Parkinson's, definitely. Oh, oh and, tomorrow night. And watch tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you'll discuss it. We've got it wonderful. We've got phenomenal physici- physicians coming with you. A neurosurgeon, Dr. Asfahani, and Diane Riefenberger, who is from Watertown, and who's an interesting man and, and who's taken up the the brain trauma uh, coaching uh, athletic side of things. That's great. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Thanks for being with us, Rick. Thanks for listening. And that's all for this week. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there, people.